This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Rodgers in trouble. Does he have a vintage moment in him? In the end zone, it is caught for the win. Pressure, pass is picked off, and who is it? Big B.J. Raji for the touchdown. Welcome back to another episode of the Pax What She Said podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Maggie Loney, joined as always by Perry Goldstein. And we talked about the offensive prospects we love in this draft class last week. This week, we're going to talk about the defensive prospects we love. But before we do that, there was a little bit of Packers news today. It was reported on Reddit, of all places, a couple days ago that Sammy Watkins might be coming to town uh, for a physical. And then, sure enough, Sammy Watkins in Green Bay today passed a physical and signed with the Packers on a one-year, $4 million deal. So, Perry, what were your initial thoughts going into, or I guess hearing the news that Watkins was in Green Bay? Um... I like it. I think it's fun. He definitely used to be like a deep threat potential. So I can see them trying to fill in the MVS role, but I think he's a lot more kind of like multi-dimensional than that. Um, I did read actually it was up to 4 million. So I imagine it's actually like kind of incentive weighted and probably yeah. even less than that, which is great for a cap strung Packers team. Um, but he definitely has struggled with some injuries over the last couple of seasons, hasn't played a full season in a bit. So I think, you know, that's probably partly why he's still a free agent um, and partly why the Packers are getting him so cheap. But um, sounds like a nice fit. He's played with both Matt LaFleur for a season in L.A. and with Jason Rabel, the wide receivers coach. They obviously know him well and think he can fit into the scheme. Um, and I'm sure you heard the Pat McAfee update um he was texting with rogers and rogers said he's very excited to have watkins they already spoke yesterday um so it just seems like all around a really nice fit yeah i was happy to hear that you know rogers was talking about all off season and i guess going into training camp how people come to green bay to play with him so i thought that was nice that he you know had mentioned that he already reached out to watkins about it i do like that it's up to four million i know i think it was andy you know, had mentioned that he had a value of up to $5.5 million on the market. That's kind of what they thought that he could make, which felt really rich to me for one year, considering that he hasn't played a full season since his rookie deal, or his rookie season, actually, not even his rookie deal. So I know that he's got some injury issues to deal with, and I don't think he's going to come in and be wide receiver one, but I do think he rounds out the room really nicely, and it's another vet option in addition to yeah. Randall Cobb. And like you said, if he if he can get back to that speed option that he had, 
then that will go a long way for this Packers offense that is sorely lacking that. Yeah, it feels like low risk, potential high reward. There's definitely like a higher ceiling there if he can kind of find his groove and stay healthy in Green Bay. Um, And I agree with you on the vet in the room. I think having him and Cobb and Lazard and whoever the Packers get um, in this draft class is actually a really nice combination. Um, And it does go with a pattern that you and I have talked about many times on the show where the Packers kind of grab a free agent and then draft a player of the same um, position group in that same year. So seems to be pretty on trend for uh, Brian Goodkunst. Yeah, I definitely wouldn't look at the signing and then think, oh, the Packers aren't going to take a wide receiver early. No, wide receiver is still a priority, especially with him having a one-year deal, Cobb having a one-year deal. Isn't Lazard's a one-year deal too? So, I mean, I think Amari Rodgers. Unrestricted after this year. Yeah, so I think Amari Rodgers is really the only lock in the room right now long-term. So still something they'll address in the draft, but that's not what we're here to talk about today. We're talking about the defensive prospects that we love in the draft. So... I don't know, Perry, get us started. Who is a guy that you just are all in, like, I don't I don't even know, all in hyped for the Packers if they took him? So I sent this to Andy a couple of weeks ago because we were talking about our favorite players in the draft, and he was saying how he um, did not have anybody yet. And I said, I have two favorite defensive players, favorite first-round players. They're both on defense. One is a player that I'll talk about next, I think, because he's not someone I I don't foresee the Packers taking him as much as I would love it. Um, But this player is a guy that not only just screams Brian Gutekunst pick, but feels like someone who could slide in day one, make an immediate impact. um, And that's safety Daxton Hill out of Michigan. I figured that was where you were going. Um, yeah, <laughs> he is my guy. Like, I'm ready to be devastated when he goes off the board before 22. Um, but he is, can you believe he was born in the year 2000? Blows my mind. Um, Wild. He's 20 years old. No, that's not right. 22, 21. He's going to be turning 22 um, this fall. So he's young, six feet, 191, um, tested so well at the combine rate had an eight nine one uh relative athletic score which which tracks with um with the packers and what they like out of their dbs specifically um he's been incredibly productive at michigan um played all three years he's just aligns at pretty much every single position of a defensive back right so he can play safety high free safety strong safety he played a lot as a nickel defender in the slot which I feel like is where he could really easily slide in for the Packers as that um especially as that dime um safety that Joe Barry's been using so much you know imagine replacing a Henry Black with a Daxon Hill a first round pick and having him Savage Amos and then the corners on the field like that is just an absolutely Nasty secondary, it kind of blows my mind um, to think about just has all the speed, all the instinct, all the awareness, the football IQ, the short area quickness, the burst. um, And of course, he's able to make plays in the run game. Um, So I'm super, super high on him. I think he's the best safety in the draft after Kyle Hamilton. He's certainly a day one starter for whoever takes him. I really hope it's the Packers because I think that a 
no snow fly zone that already exists with this Packers defense just gets even more shut down if you get a guy like Daxon Hill uh, on your team. Yeah, and I think, you know, we talked about how safety is one of those sneaky needs that isn't sneaky at all. You know, yeah. we don't know what's going to happen with Adrian Amos. He's under contract one more year. He was a candidate for an extension. That might still happen. Darnell Savage has a fifth-year option. But we don't know necessarily what the Packers think of Savage as a long-term option. I know that Ryan Downard, the new safeties coach, had said that he has all the tools to be an elite safety in the, in the NFL. And I think that's still true. And, you know, guys like Rasul Douglas and Amos were retweeting that and agreeing that he definitely can be that guy. But you still need depth there right now. I think it's Vernon yeah. Scott and who didn't Innes. suit up once last season. Right. And Innis Gaines. I think those are the two guys that are kind of in that room. So I think drafting a safety early is not just something that they might do, but something that they should do because, yeah. you know, knock on wood, Savage and Amos have been very healthy for the Packers, but that's not always the case as we saw with, you know, them dealing without Jair Alexander in the back end last year. So even exactly. though they have Stokes and, and Douglas and Jair, I think safety is a big need. So before I get you to your other guy, I'm going to talk about my safety. Okay. <laughs> who you know, right? You know who it is. Jaquan, Jaquan Brisker out of Penn State. Six one two zero four. The only knock against him, which I think kind of takes him pretty significantly off the Packers' big board, is that he's already 23. So mm-hmm. he definitely isn't as young. I don't know, though. I don't, you know. don't think so. So here, it's funny that you say this because the next guy I'm going to talk about is a little bit older also. And I've been having this conversation with people. Sorry, we'll, we'll talk about Jaquan. But I'm, I'm supportive of this choice simply because I think COVID has really messed up the timelines yeah. for a lot of players, right? It totally messed up the 2020 season. Guys yeah. missed time. And they made the decision to go back to school instead of declaring a year or maybe two years earlier than they would have before. So I actually think that this year and next year, the ages might not matter as much. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I mean, I, a lot of these guys played four games in 2020, and it's like, why right. would you declare early when you can go put out a better body of work? And so many of them did. You know, if you use their 2020 numbers, it just we're talking about midday four guys and now you're looking yeah. at first rounders. So I think that's a really good point that I hadn't even considered. So yeah, maybe, maybe that does my heart good to think that he's back in the conversation for the Packers, but, and, you know, I think we could talk about all the safeties in this class, but there's like a top five, top six that are day one yeah. plug and play guys. And I think that's really exciting because last year there was maybe one guy that was like the consensus best safety. And right now you can kind of shuffle your big board. It's probably Kyle Hamilton. And then, you know, you got five, six guys who could be two, three, four. So I love Brisker. You know, I've talked about him a little bit on the show. He's got a 9.1 RAS score already. Um, He's phenomenal against the run, which I think is something that the Packers secondary really values. He can play just about anywhere, including special teams. You know, he played in the nickel he has a really nice backpedal. He can play in the box. He can play kind of that free safety role and he really attacks the football. So I just, I'm excited about him and I'm excited about the, the options that the Packers will have, whether it's day two, you know, early or at the end of day one, even. I totally agree with you that safety is like not even a sneaky need anymore for the Packers. Um, I mean, I think you said it best, like depth is not there. We don't know what's going to happen with Amos, but I also think, and you and I have definitely talked about this before, but I just, I think this class of safety prospects really highlights where the safety position in general is going in the league. You know, you're not pigeonholing guys so much anymore to 
just free safety, just strong safety, maybe just nickel. Like they're, they're getting more athletic and are being moved around the field a little bit more than I think we've seen historically. They're just becoming a lot more versatile. And so I think the earlier that you can snag a player like Japan Brisker, I think Dax and Hill are are very similar players in the way they were like moved around a lot in college, like just the better your defense is going to be. And it gives, it's going to give a guy like Joe Barry so many more tools to use because right now, even a, a hot topic of conversation among Packer fans is what's Joe Barry going to do when he has, you know, Jair Stokes and Rasul Douglas, like how are the, he's, how is he going to use all three of them? How are we going to get all these guys on the field? Well, then you throw in Savage and Amos and potentially this third super athletic safety. Like you've got yourself six guys. You can rotate in and out depending on their strengths in a way that's just going to like elevate the entire defense. So I yeah. think it's really exciting, but I think it also shows kind of where the position is heading towards in general. Yeah, and I think, you know, maybe not as much Hill just because he's a little bit smaller, but a lot of these safeties also have the ability to kind of be hybrid inside linebackers. You know, so we know Devondre Campbell's going to be the guy and he's never going to leave the field. But if they do want to get a third safety on the field and not necessarily in the slot, they can pair them opposite Devondre in the middle of the defense. And I think that's really cool too. There's a lot of guys who could afford to put on like even 10 pounds to that frame and really cover the tight ends in the middle of the defense, which is something that is evolving in offenses now. Yeah. And it's so funny that you say that because yes, Hill is smaller, so you wouldn't move him around like that. But we've seen the way Barry and Petten moved Amos down into the back in that role. So it's not even like this rookie is going to need to potentially fill that. We have someone and Amos has showed he's one of the best box safeties in the league. So if you can move him um, to a place of strength and then know that you have both Savage and this rookie safety behind him, you know, you're golden. Yeah. And I think, you know, before we talk about your second guy, just kind of to wrap up this thought process that we have is, you know, I know the Packers are in a better cap situation now because of the Devonte trade, but these are still guys like you're going to, you're hoping to make Jair Alexander the highest paid corner in the NFL. So the more you can get guys around him in the secondary that are on those rookie contracts, Eric Stokes is a prime example of this. If you get a safety, whatever happens with Adrian Amos, if you have now is due an extension as well, you're going to need these young, talented guys to round out your room. The same way we're talking about wide receivers, you can't commit large contracts to every single position. So safety could be one of those positions this year where they swing for the fences, take one or maybe even two guys and just say, okay, you know, now we don't have to commit much until five years down the line at the safety position. It's so funny that you say that because I think Brandon Staley had a quote like that about Derwin James, but how he's like, I view Derwin like I view a quarterback. And I say, like, give him all the weapons, surround him with all the weapons. And I was like, I love that mindset because it's true. You have your star on defense and arguably the Packers have multiple, but you think of Jair and Rashawn Gary as those stars and you want to surround them with the tools to be able to do what they do best, which is just make plays. Um, So, and we've seen, right, that Good is willing to spend a top pick on a safety because he right. did it with Savage, right? You don't feel that way. I'm going to talk about an inside linebacker next to I love. You don't feel that way about inside linebacker because that's not historically where the Packers usually put their premium picks, but you know that that's a high possibility because Good's done it before. Um, so I'm going to talk about Devin Lloyd. 
Yes. <laughs> I love Devin Lloyd. And look, I get it. I get the conversation about inside linebacker. It's not as valuable to the Packers. It's really like a far reach in my mind to imagine that this realistically happens. However, and it's the same age conversation that we just had with Jaquan Brisker. He's older, right? I think he's going to turn 24 this year, which is old for a rookie. But I think you just have to look at like what he has on tape before you write it off, because this guy is not just an off ball inside linebacker. He did everything for Utah. And I'm talking rush the passer, blitz, cover the middle of the field, play in the nickel in the slot. Like he did everything and he did everything well. He was also the signal caller. He was the leader of that defense. Like that was the guy that you rallied that rallied this entire football team. Um, and I just, I don't know. I just think when a six, three, almost 240 pound, incredibly athletic linebacker, nine, three, three, RAS score. I mean, I think people are expecting him to almost reach 10. Like he is just has all the tools, all the traits. You move him around everywhere. I just think if you put him next to Vondre Campbell, like that is monstrous. And we've seen too, like what two high end inside linebackers can do for a team. Like we looked, just saw the Bucks have a team, a defense that brought them to a Super Bowl win right? Because of their two inside linebackers and not because of them, but you know what I mean? Like that was a, yeah. a key of their defense. And so I think it would be really fun to have him on the Packers. I think if he falls to 22, like you got, you got to take him. I, I do imagine he goes earlier and the Pats actually pick um, before the Packers. And this feels like a very Bill Belichick pick to me, Devin Lloyd. Um, but I uh, I think if the Packers are changing the mindset around if the position, why not? They've got four picks in the top 60. Yeah, and I think that goes back into, you know, the the value of hitting on those rookies where if there's guys that are game changers and the freak athletes, the guy with the – I know we already talked about age and how that shouldn't necessarily discredit some of the guys in this class, but the guys that are young that have really – elite RAS scores have the athletic intangibles that you cannot teach players. I think that's where the Packers are going to take their swings for the fences because they've committed a ton of money to Devondre Campbell in the middle of the defense. And that's great. He's been very healthy again, knock on wood, but you have to have fallbacks at these positions. And I don't know if first round is too rich for the Packers to commit an inside linebacker, especially if they think Chris Barnes could be, you know, the answer as a secondary option, but yeah, I mean, I think yeah. we're going to see the Packers take a different approach this year, knowing that they have so much capital, whether it's trading back to get more capital in the first, you know, 100 picks, or if we see them trade up to go get, like, their guy. Yeah, and this is a pretty, like, deep inside linebacker class, too. Like, I can see the Packers going for someone more in, like, the late second or in, with their third round pick because there are really nice guys, right? There's Leo Chanel, Wisconsin guy. There's Troy Anderson out of Montana. So there are definitely players later where like you could think that they, that's more the route they go than like a premium, premium pick on inside linebacker. It's just so out of like Ted Thompson would be like, who is this person that I trained up? Um, but again, like it's a weird year. And to me, like, Again, I'm no draft scout, so please take this with that in mind. But I've watched almost all of the first round 
projected first round picks. And there are only a handful of guys to me that like really stand out as like star power guys. And Devin Lloyd is one of them. N'Kobe Dean is another. Uh, he's and he would even be crazier to me because like his size profile is so not the Packers either. He's really small. But like those guys, when you watch them play, like those are just playmakers. I don't know where you put them or what you call them position wise, but they will make plays. Um, Devin Lloyd had two pick sixes. Like what inside linebackers two pick sixes? I just so I think if you're gonna go for it, you go for a guy like that. Yeah, and I don't know if it's the evolution of the NFL, but it feels like we're getting more freaky athletic prospects. And Andrew Mertig from Packaday likes to call them unicorn prospects. And I think that's a really good way to put it. Kyle Hamilton is this draft class's unicorn prospect where he's 6'4 and plays safety and can kind of command the middle of a defense, maybe better than Isaiah Simmons. You know, there's a lot of plug-and-play guys who you see aren't just drafted to do one thing anymore. And I think that's what a lot of these these inside linebackers can do, especially the smaller guys. They can play some of that slot. They can play a little bit of safety, especially those box safeties. And then we've got a lot of safeties, like we said, that can put on 10 pounds and play like a really versatile hybrid thumper inside linebacker. So do you want to go position by position and talk about guys? Because I feel like we could talk about the safety class, at least by itself for like the full show. <laughs> I have only DBs on my list. So I, that's what whatever I figured. Whatever you want. Give, give me your next guy. Um, okay. Well, I'm going to talk about an edge rusher then that would be, I think both of us really, really like. He was high on both of our boards. Um, Josh Pascal out of Kentucky. I knew He's 6'2". Two, yeah, 268. And one of the things I really like about him is that he can set the edge or he can get penetrate. He, he's done it all. He played everywhere for Kentucky's front. You know, he rushed kind of as that roaming nose. We saw him set an edge. He's got a, a freaky athletic Rassigan, 9.49. 13 sacks in his career at Kentucky, 15 tackles for a loss in 2021, and 52 total tackles. thought it was interesting. One of his RAS comps was Nick Perry, of all people, but so you know the Packers would at least be interested in that athletic profile. Um, per Pro Football Focus, he had the second highest run defense grade in the SEC in 2021, behind only Nolan Smith, and they were .1 different. So he's a really solid run defender, in addition to you know getting pressure on the quarterback, but I think, you know, I like his story a lot. And we talked about this a little bit in the DMs. He had a malignant melanoma in his foot in 2018, and then he was cleared to return to football in 2019, and he's overcome that since then. So one of those guys that would be really easy to root for on and off the field. Yeah, I was going to say, just how can you not root for a guy like that? Also, if I listen, at least I tried to find a couple of clips of him talking about it, and it's, it's very it's very moving to listen to him talk about it. I also think that Edge is it may not feel like a need kind of like safety, like it, but it is always a sneaky need. And I think it's a room you like consistently replenish. And when you look at the Packers, you've got Rashawn Gary and you've got Preston, and then you've got a couple of like pretty unproven guys. who got some snaps last season, but you don't really now without Zedarius Smith have that, that third guy. Um, and so I think it's fully possible the Packers spend one of their top, 60 picks on an edge, whether it's Josh Pascal, whether it's, you know, you're hearing lots of buzz about like George Karlaftis, um, you know, falling to the Packers and having them take him in the first round. Even a guy like who's on my list also is Drake Jackson out of USC. 
just any one of those like super twitched up, like super young, you know, high Rask or edge defenders just feels like a, a goody pick. Yeah. And with the departure of Mike Smith, I was really waiting to hear what the new outside linebackers coach would say, Jason Rebrovich. Um, but they asked him, like, how do you feel about your room? Because you've got Preston and Rashawn, who, you know, obviously Preston just got the extension. Rashawn's got his fifth year option, but he'll get paid by the Packers. But then you have Tipa and Randy Ramsey, Jonathan Garvin, and the rest of the room is a lot of unproven talent. And he said that he likes in his rotation to have four legit guys. That's what he called it. Four legit guys that he can rotate in and out and that can set the edge, get after the quarterback. So that does make me think the Packers are going to go for somebody relatively high. Um, One name I could see them looking at is David Ajabo, Mm -hmm. just kind of serving as a redshirt year. Like, you know, he tore the Achilles at his pro day. He probably would have been a top 15, top 20 kind of pick before the injury with the Packers having two first round picks. If he's there at 28, maybe they're like, hey, you know, let's take him, the Michigan guy, let him play behind Rashawn Geary or, you know, learn from Rashawn for a year and then um, make an impact that way. The other edge rush. Question for you about Ajabo because I also felt and agreed with you that he felt like just a very Packers pick, even after the Achilles tear, which is horrible to see. He's got all the traits, right, that the Packers love to draft. I'm wondering, and I had this conversation with Andy Herman on Pack Day, and I feel like he brought up such a good point, and so I want your thoughts on it. His take was, the Packers, I think officially we can say, we know what the window looks like with Aaron Rodgers, right? It's two to three more years. Yeah. Do you think that it's worth them drafting developmental projects knowing that they're kind of in all-in mode and potentially by the time a David Ajabo is who he's meant to be, it's past the Aaron Rodgers era. And again, that doesn't mean you don't take players because you have to think about the post-Aaron Rodgers era. And I don't think you draft specifically only for the next two to three years. But I feel like that's kind of in the back of their minds and it may hinder, it just may change the way they draft in looking at these like more developmental guys. I think it's really interesting. And I think I'd counter that by saying that it would depend on the position. Like I would not take a developmental wide receiver. You couldn't pay me to take a developmental wide receiver in this class because we know how long it takes those guys to acclimate with Aaron Rodgers. And if you take a guy in the sixth round, that's not to say they can't contribute a little bit, but if you take a guy and then say, okay, Aaron, you know, you're going to get a couple touches with him because he's on the the scout team and then, you know, call him into action like Juwan Winfrey. I don't think that is going to kind of move the needle for the Packers. But if it's an ad rusher where you're hoping that they kind of play in spot duty, then I could see the Packers doing that. If it's a corner, same kind of thing. I would think that they would be fine with a developmental rotational piece. Yeah. So I, I think that the, the position is really kind of of value there. But I also think it depends, like, we don't know yet. We still don't know how the Packers feel about Jordan Love. You know, I, we don't know if Jordan Love is going to be the guy after Aaron Rodgers or if they'll end up drafting somebody. But, you know, I don't think that the Packers are the kind of team that would mortgage the future to to get to a Super Bowl. And I feel like we thought maybe it felt like they were doing that a little bit. But I think that Goody is so motivated by always building a competitive roster that we're going to see that, you know, okay, let's say Preston Smith hangs up his cleats. Well, good thing you had David Ajabo there after three, four years who is ready to kind of step in and play opposite Rashawn Gary. So I don't know. It's a lot of moving pieces and it's a lot of what ifs and hypotheticals, but I think it definitely depends on the position. I agree. I was just curious what your thoughts were because I thought it was a really interesting 
conversation piece simply because this is just not something we've ever had to think about, right? Like we, it's always been, we know who the quarterback is. He's been our guy for, you know, almost all of my living memory. And um, now we just build a a competitive roster around him, no matter where a guy's at in his development, because we know that Aaron Rodgers can be around forever. And now we're getting to the point where Aaron Rodgers is not going to be around forever. And how does this affect kind of the pieces that you put around him for the now? And how do you also plan for the future? But I agree. The Packers always look, they always look at both. Yeah, and I think, you know, kind of to round out the edge conversation, even if it's not a guy like Ajabo, there are plenty of guys that can come in and they're not going to be like day one starters, which is great because the Packers don't need any of them to be. But George Karlofkis, you already mentioned, he's only 20. You know, yeah. he would be a great addition to the room. Boye Mafe, I love out of Minnesota. He's probably my favorite edge rusher in this class. If you're talking about like second or third round, there's Logan Hall out of Houston. And the thing I like about him is he can add weight and then kind of play more defensive end than edge rusher like yeah a lot of these guys are big enough that they can kind of slide around the front which I think is something we saw Joe Barry do with Rashawn Gary it was something that they used to be able to do with Z before the injury so I think there's a lot of versatility like the same way we talked about safeties a lot of these edge rushers and even some of the inside linebackers like like a Darian Beavers is a big inside linebacker who can set the edge there's a lot of flexibility in what these guys can do very exciting. I do think edge is going to be like, I wouldn't be surprised if one of those top picks is edge. It's just a position the Packers always value and always take early. Um, where do you want to go next? Cause I can talk more DBs. Cause I've got a whole list of them. Let's let's do DBs. We'll finish with the big boys. Okay. Um, I think corner is obviously not like an immediate need. So I'd be pretty surprised if the Packers took someone early, but at the same time, again, it's just a premium position. You're always trying to load up that room. Like we literally watched just our best DB was taken off the field for the entire season. Um, And I'm actually not in love with some of the top prospects. I think like works out for the Packers, but there's definitely maybe like second round. um, If guys who can play inside fall because I think it's more of like that slot position that's the question that nickel position like we know the boundary who the boundary corners are that's like not a question obviously like Jair can move inside but don't want Jair to move inside necessarily all the time um my favorite corner in this class is Roger McCreary from Auburn um he's just an exceptional athlete. I mean, his best game was against Alabama. I think that like says everything you need to know about him Um, going up against the Alabama receivers. Like he can play pretty much everywhere, but he's like definitely someone who can be moved inside. Um, And while I was watching him, I was just really like impressed with his ability to go up against the best receivers in college football. And then he didn't test very well. So he came out with like a five, four, four, I think relative athletic score, which just obviously is not the athletic profile that the Packers ever go for in corner, but you know, you never know. Sometimes you take the tape first. Um, I do also really like um, not Trent McDuffie because I think he's going to go kind of long before um, long before the Packers take, but there's another um, Washington corner, Kyler Gordon, DBU, that's what they call them. Again, just like exceptional athlete, explosive, dynamic, um, can be also just a core special teamer, which 
I think we really need to start thinking about also the Packers are going to start like overhauling this special teams um, for Rich Bisaccia. Like what can these players bring on that fate in that phase of the game also. Um, But I think Kyle Gordon's really fun. Um, Definitely again, both inside and outside corner. I think he can scheme be schemed inside um, and just really like, instinctual when you watch him like you can see he he's really tracking like what's happening um much better RAS score nine six eight so just like a literally just a twitched up athlete um but my favorite like later round pick is actually a, another safety um Verone McKinley out of Oregon I don't know why he's being projected out like a fourth fourth or like fifth round pick because Oregon was a pretty good defense, like, like came on Thibodeau, who's like one of the top prospects, right. Came, came from this defense. Um, but I think that Verone McKinley has all the things that we talked about with Daxon Hill and Jaquan Brisker. Like he is that athlete. He's agile. He's great in coverage. Um, again, he can like add to special teams. He's got great instincts. He had great ball skills in college, um, high football IQ. Like he has all the things. So not like, I still haven't like figured out why he's like falling down people's boards. Maybe I have to kind of look at maybe some off the field stuff. I have no idea. Um, But I think if safety, if those top safeties that you and I love are off the board and the Packers have to take someone later, I think he's a great, great option. Um, I didn't, couldn't find his testing numbers, um, but our friend, friend of the show, Ben Fennell really likes him and, um, Kent Lee Plate, the one that does all the RAS scores, said that he's um, really impressed with his athletic abilities. So I think he could end up being a guy the Packers like look to take maybe like a third, fourth round. Yeah, this is going to be a spoiler if you also listen to Pack-A-Day, uh, the safety episode, so my bad. But one of my favorite sleeper safeties in this draft class is Tyson Anderson out of Toledo. And it's kind of for the same reasons you mentioned, like guys that needing to have this special teams prowess. He has a background in special teams. He has over 800 collegiate snaps on special teams, played in all you know phases of special teams. He's 6'2", 210, so he's got really good size to play safety. He's big. He's got a 9'49 RAS with great size and elite speed. I think he was like tied for fifth for DBs for the 40. He ran a 4'36". But I think he'd be really useful for the Packers in kind of that hybrid linebacker third safety role where they can keep him, you know, Toledo used him as a really big nickel and they kind of kept him as an add-on in the box, which is where I would see him fitting in really well in Joe Barry's defense. But he's just got really good size and length to play that safety spot, especially at 6'2". And he was the only junior at Toledo to be named a team captain. So he's just a really good locker room guy, incredible leader. And, you know, Toledo doesn't necessarily have a ton of NFL prospects normally. Yeah. I don't think they've had drafted in like a decade, but he definitely, you know, should be a guy that sees his name called, whether it's really late day two or early day three. Exciting. It's a name I haven't watched yet, so I'm going to have to it's go fun. do that. There's so many players, especially the safety position. There's so much depth there. Um, great year to need a safety Packers um, because as devastated as I will be, if they don't take one in the first round, um, you kind of know going into it that no matter where they grab someone, um, they're likely going to be contributors either on in defensive snaps or special teams. Have you watched Sterling Weatherford at all? I have not. 
Okay, because he's another like 6'3", 225, projects. He actually has a better RAS score as an inside linebacker than as a safety. But he's like another developmental prospect who just will be a special teams ace. Like there's a lot of guys kind of in this safety class that even if they're not starters on defense, they will be your ace in the hole on special teams for like a decade. Like Chris Banjo, even though he did play, even though he didn't have a starting role on defense. So any other DBs or should we move to the big guys? No, talk about the big guys. Take it away. Well, I, Sanjay Murthy, friend of the show, did ask me if I had a crush this year. And I said I wasn't doing that because I didn't want to get my heart broken. Um, I'm still not over the Ross Blacklock season. But, there, I mean, there's there's a lot of good big guys in this draft class. And I don't know where the Packers will prioritize this given they did side Jaron Reed. Um, and they've got TJ Slayton, you know, Jerry Montgomery talked about that second year jump and how that's really important for a defensive lineman. So maybe the Packers take a guy to round out the room, but Dean Lowry had his best year as a pro. So I think that room is actually more set than it's been in a long time with Kenny Clark and Dean Lowry and, and Reed. But my favorite guy in the class is Jordan Davis. He's not going to be there at 22. He's six, six, 340 pounds out of Georgia. He has a perfect 10 relative athletic score that 40 time though (laughs) faster than Mahomes and Nick Bosa (laughs) at like 50 plus pounds on both of them he's three of me and he definitely runs faster than me he has a 10 foot broad jump he's 340 pounds and can jump 10 feet yeah you don't get athletic traits like that often like he's a rare breed 2021 consensus all-american just he also ran in a one-yard touchdown, which is very BJ Raji to me, just channeled all the vibes of a big guy touchdown. But yeah, he he won't be there at 22, but hey, he, you never know. he's going to make somebody so happy. Yeah, he is. You really never know, though. Like I, I get the thought process because obviously if we're gushing about him, then all the teams in front of the Packers are too, but crazy things happen. I mean, and maybe his counterpart counterpart Devonte Wyatt is the first big guy off the board for Georgia we don't know they both you know should be first rounders probably top 20 picks but who will go first we don't know and you know I thought it was a really interesting exercise on pack a day last week with Andrew um, he had said that if you think about where you know teams prioritize first round picks there's there's realistically 16 or 20 names that will for sure come off the board before the Packers pick And the reason he did that exercise was to explain, look at all the offensive tackles and there's going to be a couple quarterbacks. There's always quarterbacks. Good talent is going to shift down the board, whether it's a wide receiver, whether it's inside linebacker, whether it's safety. So whatever prospect you're in love with, don't rule them out because, you know, there's always a run and there's always a couple sneaky picks that we didn't think were going to be first rounders that a team just happens to fall in love with. The clue and barrels of the world. I don't know why that's always what I come (laughs) back to. (laughs) I do think of that. Freaking Raiders. I know. Um, Cesar Ruiz was one for me, too, that I I liked the pick, but I was just like, huh, little rich. Classic Saints also. And like, you know, like I said, I mentioned the Pats earlier. Bill also does stuff like that. He takes someone and you're like, what? And you're like, all right, whatever, Bill. I guess you see something none of us (laughs) do. Whatever, Bill. Whatever, Bill. Um, Yeah. And right, like the Packers have two picks in the first round. So they can sit and take both. At 22 and 28, more likely Goop moves around because that's what he, like, he likes to play with our emotions. And 
I always think back to the draft where he took Jair and he like went up and then he went back and I was like, oh my God, just take a player. And then he gets Jair and a future first out of it. I don't know. Magic. Um, but I agree with you. I, I definitely, I mean, you have to keep in mind, right? Like I love Kyle Hamilton. Kyle Hamilton's not making it 22. Right. Like there's some players that you just know, but these kind of later second half of the first round guys, like could it's be a toss anyone's up. game. Yeah. Yeah. Is there anybody that you're dying to talk about? Because I know we're running a little bit long, but I think you and I defensively can go for days. No, I think I talked about my guys. <laughs> um, I think I talked about my guys. I I flip-flop between who's my official draft crush between Devin Lloyd and Dax Hill. I think you that if two. I think Don't that limit if yourself. the Packers, like, if it was more realistic for them to take an inside linebacker, it would be Lloyd, but... Um, Dax Hill would just be, oh God, I just think about that secondary and I'm like, you're not scoring. Who needs I, wide receivers when you've got that secondary? You're not scoring on us. I, yeah, I, I'm normally all about the edge rushers and the D line, but I could not stop looking at safeties this class. There are honestly probably 15 guys that if the Packers took them in the first three rounds, I'd be like, dope. Let's love yeah. it. I mean, we you didn't know, even mention Louis Sine, who's really fun. I mean, pretty Jaylen much Petrie. anyone. Yeah. Like, anyone on that Georgia Bulldogs defense, like, I'm happy with. Honestly, that team was nasty. Yeah. Um, I just can't wait. We're about two I weeks away. Two weeks. Exactly two weeks. And it's, what, 5 o'clock right now, and we're recording 6 o'clock your time? We're, like, two weeks and a couple hours away from the first round getting started, and I cannot wait. So what do we have coming up? We'll do a... First round mock for the entire NFL. That's fun. We'll do that. And then we'll have the unofficial seven round mocks where we run live through Draft Network and see which roster we like. Yeah. Love it. I can't wait. Always a good time. Well, that is all the time we have on this week's show. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at PWSS Podcast or on Twitch, YouTube, and Instagram at Pax What She Said. You can find Perry on Twitter at Perry underscore Goldstein. You can find me on Twitter at Maggie J. Loney. And thank you, as always, for listening to the show. Go Pack Go. Go Pack Go. And Jones out in front. They're trying to chase him down. He's inside the 10. He is in for the touchdown. The title is back in town. The Green Bay Packers.